Welcome to the Mr. Schmooze Podcast. The podcast for everyone. Cody Lowry, author of the great new book, Schmooze, what they should teach at Harvard Business School. Setting up a meeting with the President of the United States in one week. Getting a baseball signed by the Pope. Carrying the torch in the Olympic torch relay. Being presented a Super Bowl ring from one of NFL's Hall of Fame coaches. Cody even arranged an audition in less than 48 hours for Saturday Night Live. No regurgitated internet theory, just the real deal from a man who has walked the walk. Funny, genuine, authentic, inspirational, and a guy with a big heart. Your host, author of Schmooze, what they should teach at Harvard Business School, Mr. Schmooze himself, Cody Lowry. Hey, how'd I do, huh? Thank you. Say, oh, please stop, for God's sake, stop. Oh, please, no more. I can't take any more. Hello, I'm Cody Lowry, author of the book Schmooze, What They Should Teach at Harvard Business School, and I am absolutely delighted to be with you today. You know, the name of my book is Schmooze, and it's a Yiddish word. And today's topic is chutzpah, which is another Yiddish word. Now, I know what some of you out there in podcast land must be thinking. Is Cody Lowry Jewish? After all, the book title is Schmooze, and now I'm going to talk to you about chutzpah, and the book was even endorsed by Alan Dershowitz. Now, Cody Lowry is an Irish Catholic, a fine, upstanding, healthy, normal, patriotic American boy. And yes, I am Irish Catholic. And as a result of my Catholic school upbringing, I still have the scars on my knuckles where those cute little ladies in their black and white starch gowns called a habit would beat my knuckles into submission. I have friends from all faith. And yes, I do have a lot of Jewish friends, but this I can tell you, and they will back me up on this, no one, no one, absolutely no one can tell a Jewish joke better than I can. Four Jewish ladies, they were just finishing up lunch at a fancy New York restaurant. The maitre d' approaches him. So ladies, was anything okay today? Come on, that was funny, right? All right, I got one more for you. Jewish grandmother and her grandson, Benjamin, they were getting ready to take a walk on the beach and the grandmother's daughter said, my, be careful. You know little Benjamin, he might run off. She said, will you stop? For God's sakes, I've raised four of you kids. You don't think I can take care of Benjamin? So they're walking on the beach and all of a sudden, big giant wave comes and takes both of them into the ocean. It throws the grandmother back on the beach and she, she gets up and she looks around. Benjamin, Benjamin, where are you, Benjamin? And finally she looks up in the sky in desperation. She says, oh, dear God, please, I beg of you. I beg of you. Please help me find Benjamin. And all of a sudden, she looks down, and there's little Benjamin. She looks him up and down. She turns him around. She looks back up at the sky. She said he had a hat. Now, come on. That is funny. And so our topic today is chutzpah. Chutzpah, it's the new charisma because today charisma alone will not make it happen. Now, before we get started on chutzpah, I want to give you a little clarification on the word schmooze. Schmooze is a Yiddish word that means to chat idly in a friendly, persuasive manner so as to gain favor in business or connections. 
and for many, schmooze takes on a negative connotation. They think of Eddie Haskell. Eddie Haskell, by the way, was Ken Osmond, who just left us this year. But if you remember the TV show, Leave it to Beaver, he was the wise-cracking kid that was always up to no good until Mrs. Cleaver walked into the room. Hello, Mrs. Cleaver. Wow, what a beautiful hat you have on today. And so Eddie was kind of a schmoozer in the real definition of the word. In the book Schmooze, I've redefined the word. There's 25 different new definitions of schmooze in the book, making a great first impression, a winning smile, building relationships, building relationships that last, looking out for the little guy, having fun, and laughing at yourself. So today I want to talk to you about chutzpah and how you might be able to develop a little chutzpah in your own life. Chutzpah. What is chutzpah? Well, it's another Yiddish word that means supreme confidence, nerve, gall. Here's an example. It took a lot of chutzpah to stand up to him the way she did. Evangelist Guy Kawasaki humorously defines chutzpah as calling up tech support to report a bug in your pirated software. My favorite example of chutzpah is a young man who kills both of his parents and then he throws himself on the mercy of the court because he's an orphan. Alan Dershowitz, who wrote the 1999 best-selling book, Chutzpah, defined chutzpah this way. He said, it's boldness, it's assertiveness, it's a willingness to demand what is due and to defy tradition and to challenge authority and to raise eyebrows. Well, I agree with the professor, but I would add this to his definition. I believe it's about perseverance. I believe it's about acting on your beliefs. I believe it's about acting on your instincts. And I believe it's doing what you know to be right without regard to wrath or any negative consequences. In short, ladies and gentlemen, it's about having a pair. You know, the entertainment industry is loaded, loaded with people who have chutzpah, people who didn't have an easy path to the top and those who had doors closed in their face. But you know what? They persevered because they believed in themselves and they succeeded. Long before Sylvester Stallone was one of America's top movie superstars, he was a struggling actor. And I'm telling you this, this guy really, really struggled. Back in the early 70s, Stallone was living in a one-room apartment that was so small, listen to this, you could open the front door from his bed. Now, that's what I would call small. In fact, he was so down and out that he actually sold his dog for $25 just so he could buy a little food. You know the rest is history. Inspired by the fight between Muhammad Ali and Chuck Webner, he wrote the iconic screenplay Rocky. The good news for Stallone was that the producers he pitched the screenplay to, they absolutely loved it. But unfortunately, they did not want Stallone to play the role of Rocky. They wanted Ryan O'Neill, Burt Reynolds, James Caan, Robert Redford, anybody but Stallone to play the lead. You know, he was originally offered $25,000 for the screenplay, of which he turned down. Well, the producers kept upping the ante until they got the 
$675,000. And guess what? Sylvester Stallone still turned them down. You see, if the movie was going to be made, Stallone was going to play the lead. Now we're talking the early 70s and Sylvester Stallone turned down $375,000, which in today's world would be about $2 million. Now I want you to think about that just for a minute. Many of us, including myself, would not turn down $375,000. Stallone didn't have two quarters to put together, my friends, and that is what you call chutzpah. That is chutzpah with a capital C. While the rest is history, Stallone went on to become one of the biggest box office draws in the history of cinema. And here's some good news. After signing with the producers to do the movie Rocky, Sylvester Stallone managed to buy his dog back, and that dog actually appeared in the movie. You know, injecting a little bit of chutzpah has always been pretty much a big part of my life. My first job, I'll never forget it. I just graduated from college. I didn't have two quarters to rub together. And I can remember not being able to find a job in my major, which was advertising. And my brother was selling cars down in South Florida, big operation. And he was going to school and he called me and he said, why don't you try selling cars? Well, the thought of me selling cars after just spending four years scraping through college, driving a car that used more oil than gasoline, the last thing I wanted to do was to get into the car business. But my first job, I'll never forget. I went down to Penny's and I bought a pair of baby blue pants, white shirt, paisley tie. I really looked sharp. I looked like all those other car guys. So I go into the dealership and I ask for the general manager and they, they take me down to his office and immediately, have you ever walked into a room and somehow the chemistry just isn't there? Well, that's exactly how I felt. But I went on and I told the general manager how much I wanted to get into the car business. And I was schmoozing him at this point, right? I told him how much I wanted to get into the car business and I was going to make it my lifelong career. And, and uh, I, I looked around at a lot of dealerships in town and I've decided this is where I want to work. Unfortunately, the general manager didn't want me to work there. And he told me as much. He said, we already hired about four or five people. Why don't you come back in about six months? Now, I sat there. I almost couldn't believe my ears. Did he really say he wasn't going to hire me? Did he really tell me to come back in six months because there might be an opening? I think this guy wanted me out of his life forever. So I remember I jumped up. I looked him in the eye and I said, sir, you just made the biggest mistake you've ever made because you don't have any salesman out on that floor that I can't outsell. One week later, I was selling cars at that particular Chevy dealership. That's not pretty, I know, but that is chutzpah. Several years ago, I was out in California. We were doing some TV commercials and we had a break one day, and I went down on Rodeo Drive. Now, if you've never been on Rodeo Drive, you almost can't believe it. Arguably, it is probably one of the richest or the richest shopping street in the world. 
And I was walking down the street. I walked into this exclusive men's clothing store. It was called Bernini's of Beverly Hills. And as I walked around, I realized there was nothing, nothing in that store that I could afford. In the back of the store, however, there was a rack with a sign that said 40% off. And I went back there and I couldn't see anything that I want. And even 40% off, some of this stuff was way, way over my head. I walked up to the front of the store and I was browsing around and I saw this jacket that I just had to have. Unfortunately, when I looked at the price tag, there was no way in the world I was ever going to own that jacket. So the salesman, young salesman comes up to me and he said, may I help you? I said, no, no, you know, I'm just browsing around. And I said, I really like this jacket. He said, would you like to try it? I said, no, no, no. He said, why don't you try it on? I said, well, I'll try it on if you give me an opportunity to buy it at 40% off. <laughs> and he laughed at me. He said, well, we have, a, we have a rack in the back with 40% off. And I said, no, I already went back there, but this is really the jacket that I, that I would like. The rest of the story is a little long, but I will tell you, that jacket is sitting in my closet today. And guess what? It still fits. That, my friends, is called chutzpah. Yes, chutzpah. And as I said earlier, chutzpah is the new charisma. So here's the takeaway. Schmooze with a little chutzpah is a powerful combination that should be included in everybody's arsenal. Chutzpah, however, should be used with caution. And I would say in moderation. It should be the mindset for the moment when you need to get your point across. Too much chutzpah and you run the risk of losing your relevancy and becoming someone to be avoided at all costs. When you take a look at highly successful people in business today, they almost always exhibit some sort of chutzpah. They're assertive, they're bold, they're gutsy, and almost always they exude a self-confidence that lets everyone know they will not be denied. Before we go, I just got a call from a lady in Peoria who was listening, and she laughed so hard at my first two jokes that I opened this podcast with. She wants me to tell another one. Okay, here goes. A little old Jewish lady. She sells pretzels on the street corner for 25 cents. Every day, a young man leaves his office building at lunchtime, and as he passes the pretzel stand, he leaves the little old lady a quarter. But he never takes a pretzel. They never, ever exchange a word. This goes on for almost three years. One day, as the young man passes the little old lady's stand, he leaves another quarter, as usual. The pretzel lady finally speaks to him, Sir, sir, I appreciate your business. You're a very good customer. But I have to tell you, that the pretzel price has gone up to 35 cents. Oh, come on. That's funny. I, you know what? I think I'm going to get a laugh track. At least it'll make me feel good. Before we go, I want you to know that I'm putting together material for a new book, and the title is going to be called Schmoozers We Love. So if you will, please indulge me, and when it's convenient, would you email me and tell me about that special schmoozer in your life. 
Maybe it's somebody in your family. Maybe it's a member of the clergy, somebody who lights up the room. But first and foremost, they have to have heart and they have to care about the little guy. So I'd love to hear from you. Please take a few minutes and email me. If you have a picture, that would be great. My email is myschmooze at gmail.com. That's myschmooze at gmail.com. I can't wait to hear about some more schmoozers in this world. Or if you'd like, you can text me, 813-310-3962. That's 813-310-3962. And remember, please review on iTunes and share this podcast. While I've enjoyed this show, and I hope you did too, don't miss our next podcast when I talk to you about the importance of persistence and what a difference it might make in your life. Persistence, how to keep going when everyone and everything tells you to quit. I'm Cody Lowry, and may the schmooze be with you.